What's going on, Trophy Kids? We are back for the college football episode. It is October 8th. It's just the Nate Cook Show. It's just me today. I don't know why I have my earbud in. I don't have to listen to anybody. We're recording this live. There's about three minutes left in the fourth quarter of the uh, Thursday night football game. Absolutely disastrous for the over there. Um, we cashed one ticket. Going one for one, you know, unless something absolutely insane happens this game. We'll talk about it more in the NFL show, which will be coming out Saturday. Um, but just unreal game. Terrible game in that, like, unreal and terrible sense. Not an unreal and a good sense. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about a little college football. Um, I'm just going to go through a couple games, uh, make sure we got something out to you this week. I do apologize. Tim and Dante are out this week. A little scheduling conflict issue there but we wanted to make sure we get some type of uh, some type of content out to you um get you prepped for these games give you some picks hopefully and then obviously my card my full card will be coming out later this week so make sure you are subscribed to at trophy kids podcast um on both instagram and twitter but let's get into it um this is a game i'm not betting we're going to start off light first thing i'm seeing on the board um, we're just going to rattle to the board it's it's temple uc nobody has been, I think, as high on UC as me in the sports media industry. I came on right at the start of the season and said, I think this is going to be the first year we see a non-Power 5 team in the playoffs. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year before they expand the playoffs. That's exactly what we got. Unless their resume just completely falls apart like a Jenga set here, um, which we'll talk about the Notre Dame-Virginia uh, Tech game here coming up a little bit later. Um UC is looking like they're pretty good. I mean, this is a good football team. We've been talking about it. Every time I bet them this year, they've covered, which has been great. They've been my lock of the week once already. Um, so good there. I don't see what's happened in that Thursday night game. Um, but the spread's 29.5 against a terrible Temple team. I mean, this Temple team is bad. Um, the reason I'm not betting this game, though, is because I don't know what the product is going to look like from UC this week. They're coming down off a giant emotional win. The win on the, uh, the game on the schedule that they had circled from the beginning of the season. I mean, literally the moment last year ended, that game got scheduled. That's the game they were talking about Notre Dame. They prepared for it. They won it. It was a great game for them. Um, they did battle, and the, they deserve that. So, I, I I wouldn't pick a side in this. If if I'm gonna pick a side, I I think I'd go UC just because Temple is dog shit terrible. I apologize for the language. Sorry, Nan. I know you're now a fan. That was my bad. <laughs> um, but it, it it was bad. I mean, they're a bad football team. UC is a very good football team, but the the number is a little too high there. All right, let's move into the game that everybody wants, though, to talk about. Let's talk about the biggest rivalry game of the week, the next big game on the board. That is Oklahoma versus Texas in the Red River Showdown. We can't call it the shootout anymore. Showdown. Um, this is an interesting game because for those of you who are aware of, you know, teams' records against the spread, Oklahoma is yet to cover a game against an FBS team. Um, not great. The number's at 3.5. Oklahoma is favored. Over-under is at 64.5. Anybody who's been watching this knows that this Oklahoma offense, this Oklahoma team, is not a stereotypical Oklahoma team. This is a team coming into the season I was incredibly high on. I had, I thought this team had national championship ambitions. I, I still think they might be in the race there. They're going to make the playoffs. I think this is really the only game left on their schedule where they may have an issue, to be honest. Um they have kind of a pothole here, potentially. But uh, this is a game that is very winnable for them. Um, my hair is a disaster today, um, for those of you watching this. But the... Uh, let's see here. They The reason they're having issues, for the most part, you know, in a very simplistic way, is simply the fact that Spencer Rattler 
one is not a stereotypical Oklahoma quarterback in the way that he can utilize his legs to produce offensive production. Um, we have yet to see that from him. We've yet to see that kind of wrinkle in the Oklahoma offense that we're so used to. Um, we also have yet to see explosiveness on passing 20-plus yards down the field. Spencer Rattler has been extremely poor compared to his expectation coming into this season, an expectation I had high on him, um, an expectation most people had high on him. He's been terrible in that. Where he's been really good, though, is that everything under 20 yards. But that hurts the explosiveness of this Oklahoma team. And this is a, a working theory that I have going right now in this Oklahoma team is simply that they are a good football team, but because they're not the stereotypical Oklahoma team hang 50 on you, play really bad defense, and just win by outscoring you, we think there's something wrong or that this is a bad Oklahoma football team. I don't necessarily think this is a bad Oklahoma football team. Now, compared to Alabama or Georgia, that's a different conversation, but I think this is a, a good football team. Um, the defense and Alex Grinch have a good matchup here for them. This fits right into what they're trying to do on the Oklahoma defensive side of the ball. You know, going into the season, we talked about it. Oklahoma's weak point was going to be their secondary. You know, I talked about that as their Achilles heel. The reason, though, I'm, I'm not too worried about it is they're going to have a lot of prep, a lot of time to get it right, to kind of ease that secondary into it. It's still a weak point, but Texas is going to have to beat them through the air. You know, B.J. Robinson is a phenomenal running back, top three running back probably in the country right now, um, behind Kenneth Walker the third, and for the life of me, I'm blanking out. It's... 11-20 right now, the Alabama running back, but phenomenal running back. But Alex Grinch in the Oklahoma defense, and he's a, a good defensive coordinator, great defensive coordinator, what he's been able to do in his time in Oklahoma, they are trending in the right direction. You look at it year to year, they continue to get better year to year. We'll see where they finish at the end of this year, but I, when you watch this game, what they want to do is they want to make you beat them through the pass because their front seven wants to be aggressive. They want to come at you. They are going to look to limit Robinson's production here, and they're going to put it all on Thompson and beat them through the air. And I don't know if Texas can do that. Um, you know, the Oklahoma secondary, they're allowing about 214.4 yards a game right now. That's about 40, 48th worst in the nation um, as far as most yards given up. Um so they're going to 40th, 40, 48th most yards per game. Um, so that's that's what they're going to make Texas do. I, I am not a huge believer in this Texas team this year. I think, though, long-term, Stark is a really good hire here if he can nail the Texas football politics um, because what he's been able to do with not his players and running the offense he is running, they have exceeded expectations. But this is a game where I think Oklahoma, to be honest, sort of out physicalism. It's a dead knockout game. Oklahoma wins by a touchdown. I am picking Oklahoma in this. They are on my card. I am going Oklahoma minus the three and a half. I'm going to wait to bet it Saturday, hoping it maybe gets down to three. I don't think it will, but I'm going to wait for it and just see. But minus three and a half, Oklahoma is, is the pick there for me. Um, another game let's talk about here. It's a big one. Georgia versus Auburn. The line is at 15 and a half right now. It's come down a little bit. It was at 16 and a half when I was doing my prep last night. Over-under is at 47 and a half. This game is a ginormous game for a multitude of reasons. 
the primary reason this game is ginormous, to me at least, when I'm looking at this. I have been very upfront since pretty much, I think, about week two if we went back. Georgia is the best football team in the country. I was saving a tank, though, that they're going to beat Alabama until about two weeks ago. I said that they are going to beat Alabama. They're the best team in the country. They're the number one team in the country. They are well within kind of the expectation to win a national championship at this point in time. They are exceeding expectations without their two best offensive players. They got one of them back last week in Darnell Washington. Their secondary is the the area that we were most concerned about coming into the season. They're getting Tyreek Smith back last week. This defense has been elite. And why this game is so important is because the other kind of potentially Achilles heel here, the potential weak spot in Georgia, the way you're going to beat them is down in the trenches in that offensive line. And how does that offensive line handle a defensive line like uh, Auburn? Now, you go, well, they played Arkansas last week. That's a good test. Yeah, but Arkansas usually has three down linemen. They're not as physical as Auburn's defensive line. Auburn's ability to be to mix that speed and physicality on the defensive line and in the linebacking court and do some creative things in the trenches is why this is interesting because this is going to give us the best baseline for where Georgia's offensive line is right now and what might give them trouble when we try to handicap them when we talk about them down the line playing you know the Alabamas of the world and other good defensive lines this is a great game to get that baseline the other problem right now is we don't know if JT Daniels is going to be playing this week so this is going to give us a great opportunity to get a look at um, Stenson um, and see what he looks like because he, to be honest, hasn't really been, you know, challenged. The games he's come in are, have not been super challenging. This is going to give us a good baseline to see what the backup looks like behind JT Daniels. If JT Daniels is going to miss any type of time, and he's right now just resting and recovering, um, I don't think I've seen anything about him officially out just yet. Um, or if he's playing just yet, official lines. But this is its a big downgrade in my opinion. I, I think Stenson Bennett can you know, be a very serviceable guy. I think he still gets them going in the direction they want to, especially as they get Pickens back here later in the season. Um, but JT Daniels is a, is a big loss. That's a significant loss. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like in his reps if JT Daniels can't go. So this is a great, great game to get eyeballs on and figure out, you know, where the ceiling might be for this team, or not ceiling, I should say, where the floor might be for this team, um, and where the the holes would be. Now, for picking this game and deciding where you know I'm going to lay my money at, because I'm going to I'm going to make a pick here. This game will be on my card. I looked at it and I can't find an advantage for Auburn one way or the other. You look at the Auburn offense versus the Georgia defense. Georgia's defense is elite. Their front seven is phenomenal. They're number one in fewest points allowed per game. 4.6 is the average. They're fourth in fewest rush yards allowed per game. 46 total rush yards allowed average per game. They're first fewest passing yards allowed per game. They're first fewest um, yards allowed per game total at 177.8. You know, the weak point is the secondary coming into this, and the secondary has looked great to this point. Now, they're going to get a little challenge here, but Bo Nix... You know, he is much better at home. This is an Auburn home game. And he had one of the greatest plays. I mean, you go back, that is probably the play of the year. That fourth and second against LSU, right before the half, scrambling around, throws the touchdown pass, completely changes the tide of the game. I mean, on the next, on the kickoff, 
33, I think it was, for Auburn. Absolutely lights up LSU's um, return guy. The whole mood changes. That was the acceleration point and probably the play of the year when we look back on it. Probably winning an SB. Um, oh, man. This Seattle game. Sorry, I was just... Gino just got absolutely picked. But it looks like Lockett fell down. It's going to be Skip Bayless tomorrow. Mark it down. It's probably going to be like, is it time for uh, or the Seahawks to move on from Russ to Gino because of that 99-yard drive that we all saw here? Great. We're going to talk about it more in the NFL show. I'm getting sidetracked. It's, it's the problem of doing a live show when there's live sports going on. But, so I don't see an edge there. I don't know a way that Auburn is going to score points here. I, I don't. I don't really know outside of Bo Nix making some crazy plays, but we know he gets happy feet. We know that he can make some really bad decisions at the time. He is a roller coaster ride that has got to be one of the worst, but also one of the most exhilarating rides in all of fandom. Like, I don't know how Auburn fans do it. He is an insane roller coaster ride week to week, um, but his highs are a lot of fun and his lows are purely miserable. Um, but then you flip the side of the ball. We talked about that. The the de- offensive line going against that defensive line. I still just think that George's ability here, you know, we looked last week. The big question has been, you know, is Bubble Boy Smart going to come out of his bubble this year? Is he going to allow Todd Munkin to call the offense and open up the playbook? Is he going to be more aggressive in his defensive scheme and really maximize the all-world talent he has in that front seven? So far, you know, look at that Arkansas game. They packed it in pretty early, but they didn't really need to open up the playbook. I think Kirby has shown at times the ability to say, you know what, I'm stepping out of my shell this year. We're going to be more aggressive when we need to be. There are signs and hints of that as you watch these games. This is going to be a game to see, you know, how aggressive are they to come out of this. Um, So this is a big watch game. I am picking Georgia in this game. I do like them. I am jumping on the 15-and-a-half. I think if JT Daniels is out this is the risk we run if he's out i think that number is going to continue to come down a little bit if he's in that number is going to go up so i'm going to grab it now at, at 15 and a half um i like it at 15 and a half that will be what's that represented on my card i don't love it i would love it lo- much more at 14 and a half but hey we'll we'll take the value of 15 and a half right now all right moving down the board we are going to talk about Penn State, Iowa. Game of the night at Iowa. I am done. Done discrediting Iowa. We discredited them last week. That was my bad. Hand up. Terrible. That's one of those games where you just got to throw out the numbers when they're playing Maryland and just realize Maryland is Maryland. Can't buy into the Tim hype. We can't buy into the numbers. You know, you just got to go with the fact that Maryland is Maryland. There's a reason they're not allowed into the big boy club. There's a reason they play on Friday nights. Um, in the Big Ten, they're still using a fake ID. Can't get into the Big Ten club type of deal. In Iowa, show that. Now, you know, anybody, if you're listening to different podcasts, there's a lot of talk. If you're listening to different shows, a lot of talk about how this turnover luck is going to change at some point for Iowa. I don't necessarily know if that's the case here in this spot. You know, at some point, conventional wisdom would tell you that that will be some regression there. But this team is full of ball hawks. The secondary is phenomenal. They put themselves, the, the defensive scheme puts them, their players, into position to make plays on the ball. So I don't honestly know how much regression is going to come from there. It will come at some point, but the level to which it will come, I don't know. And I don't think it's going to happen in this game because while Sean Clifford has 
exceeded expectations, while the offense of Penn State has exceeded expectations, while they are doing things that are beneficial to the skill set of Sean Clifford. And that is a big, big, big bonus that we have not necessarily... We were a little concerned about coming into this season. It was on our when we broke down the Big Ten, and we did Penn State, and this is a team I've been hard on. I've been saying there's kind of a, a, a bubbling situation with Franklin down there. That he's got to get it right this year. Um, but with that said, they're playing really well. The offense is doing things like passing early on first down, hurry up offense, play actions, tight end usage. Like they're doing all the things that are that are beneficial to Sean Clifford, and they're getting a lot of production out of him. The problem is, is when is the real Sean Clifford going to show up? The one that his footwork gets sloppy under pressure. The one that rushes throws and doesn't anticipate. The one that had the ball sail high on him, which is incredibly dangerous in a game like this against the secondary in Iowa that is very good in that, that area. Um, sorry, taking a drink of water. When you're doing a solo podcast, it's harder. Um, and he nails the field goal. We really got screwed on the over here, folks. I mean, just so many missed opportunities, so many missed field goals, so many deep bombs. I mean, Stafford hits cup in stride, you know, touchdown. Russ hits locket in stride, touchdown. Like, we're... There are probably, like, 21 points left off the board tonight with just really sloppy play that's normally executed. Sorry. Focus on college football. Um, but those are the mistakes that I'm wondering are going to happen here. But I am done second-guessing Iowa. I am done, you know, there is still those questions about the offense. Iowa, you know, came out pass-happy against Maryland. That was a surprise. They threw a lot on first down. Um, they were aggressive through the air in a situation that has not been very good for them. I mean, absolutely terrible. We ripped them last episode about it. But Iowa's a good football team, and I'm done ripping them. This is a great matchup. Um, I don't know where I'm at the pick yet. I, I am leaning Iowa. It'll be on my final card. That's why you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed to at Trophy Kids Podcast um, on both Instagram and Twitter. And by the way, good time. You know, probably should have done this at the beginning of the podcast. It's been a bad couple weeks in college football. You know, I'm 23 and 25 right now. Two back-to-back losing weeks. Not good. Um, the NFL rocking and rolling. I mean, we went six and one last week, seven and three the week before that. The NFL podcast, if you'd listened to it last week, um, in all the games. Now, we, for the records, we only count what we put on our cards and give out to the public because those are games I'm putting money on. Anything I put on my card, I am putting money on. If I'm losing money, or if I'm losing a pick, I'm also losing money here with you. If you take our picks, that's just principle right there. But we talked about every game. And if you took all the games where we gave leans on or said, hey, we're not betting this, but this is the way we'd pick it, went 11-5 and five last week in the NFL. Not too shabby. But we're looking to turn around the boat here. I spent more time this week on the college football show than I have in previous weeks. It needed some more attention. It's been neglected, and that's on me. We're going to look to turn the ship. We're trying to turn the ship this week. We got to do it. Um, but I don't have a pick ready for this. I'm, I'm still considering some things. I'm still mulling some things over here. My initial lean, though, right now, recording today, is Iowa. Um, you know what? Screw it. We're pulling the trigger. 
we're going Iowa, baby. We're, we're pulling Iowa. I've doubted both these teams, but I've doubted Iowa way more than I've doubted Penn State. I think I know where Penn State is. I think this is probably an under game, to be honest. I think the under is probably going to find its way into my card. Um, from what I hear, the winds are going to be absolutely terrible. A lot of running. This is going to be a knock em dead game. I think a score probably wins this, and I mean field goal type of game here. Um, so I like Iowa in that spot. I am probably also going to go with the under at 41.5. It's a low, low under. I don't know if I'm ready to pull the trigger. I hate over-under betting, but um, I, I f- it feels like an under game, um, especially with the weather. I'm going to wait until probably Friday night. Um, the card will come out Saturday morning, but we want to hold off there um, for that one. Now, other games that we are looking at that are important. Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. Enter Sandman, Lane Stadium, Blacksburg, Virginia, night game. Horrific place for Notre Dame to try to get right after that UC game, to get back on track. It's a tough environment. Virginia Tech is not great. They've played in some tough, tough games. It hasn't been, you know, the best, but I went against them in week one. Dumb, hands up, dumb. They're in Lane Stadium. Blacksburg, Virginia, Enter Sandman's Rocking, one of the top environments at all of college football. If you've never been to a game, I highly recommend it. It's it's one of those stadiums that are, should be on your bucket list if you're a college football fan. You know, I'm thinking ha- Penn State Stadium, Death Valley down in LSU, the Rose Bowl game. Um, there's various stadiums, various environments, the swamp down in Florida maybe, that you, you want to check out, you know, before you clock out. A game, a night game, Virginia Tech, 100% something you want to check out. It's an insane, insane environment. Um, you know, my lean when I first saw this game is this is a get-right game for Notre Dame. You know, they're going to come back. Let's lay it on Notre Dame. Go for it. But the more I think about it, the more I think about that home environment, the more I think about the style of Virginia Tech, the more I think about the offensive woes and the in- inability to control the line of scrimmage, it it's hard not to remember that UNC Virginia Tech game early in the season. It's hard not to remember the absolute inability of UNC to dominate in the line of tre- in the trenches, which ultimately affected the rest of it. You know, if the foundation's cracked, the house has fallen. That's the concern here. We also don't know who's playing quarterback. That makes a big big difference. Um, at who is going to play quarterback for Notre Dame in this game, because if you're getting Cohen. Man, that's he's had a tough come down. Um, if you're playing Drew, we have something different to talk about. Um, it's tough. Sorry, I was looking up to see if anything had come out just yet, but I don't see anything yet on him. So we'll see. Um, you know, there's optimism that Meyer will be available, but we saw him get hurt in that game. Um, we don't know kind of what the quarterback situation is going to look like going into this game. There's a lot of un there's a lot of unknowns. And because of that, I'm going Virginia Tech in this game. I don't like the pick. Um, I don't love the bet. If you're going to take it, I would just sprinkle tiny tiny bits of parmesan on that baby. Um, but I think with the unknowns, their best and biggest weapon in Myers, 
getting dinged up and ha- not being 100%, going to that hostile environment, a team that is going to kind of muck it up with you and take you down to their level in Virginia Tech. I, I think that's a tough that's a tough game. There's a reason it's a point and a half. I say look at the juice, you know. Juice right now is the same on the money line as it is for the point 5. You might as well just go money line it. Um it's not, you know. So, it it's a pick 'em. Um money line it. If you're getting a different number though, you know, check around. Maybe you can give Virginia Tech a little bit lower, but I I don't think you are. Um, LSU-Kentucky rebound game for LSU. Should have had that game against Auburn. Let them back into that. Kentucky coming off a giant, giant emotional game against Florida. Gets that win. I've been high on Kentucky all season. I've been talking about them. I'm one of those people that have been riding that bandwagon. I think Mark Stoops is a phenomenal coach. Underrated. One of the most underrated coaches in college football. When I talked about him, I talked about how he'd be perfect for the Virginia Tech job, to be honest. Like, bigger program. Um, ACC, now you're moving from the SEC to the ACC, which is, you know, not not as desirable. But the program is bigger. The spotlight is bigger. Um, your ability to recruit is probably going to be bigger at Virginia Tech than Kentucky. Maybe not, but I, that's my initial read on it. I think he'd fit great there. Trying to lure him away from Kentucky is going to be damn near impossible. But uh, he's a heck of a coach. Heck of a ball coach. This team is rolling. Um, They're plus money at minus three and a half. That's a very interesting proposition. That is something we're going to look at more and probably going to find our way onto our card. This bet, though, is plus money right now. This is a pick that I am making. Michigan-Nebraska. We said it last week. Throw it out the window. Throw that game. If if you haven't been watching Nebraska football, if you have not been like myself who watches just everything and pays attention with everything, and you're remembering that stinker they put up in front of every single person in week zero, throw that out. Pluck it out of your mind. Do whatever that spell is in Harry Potter where he just, you know, Dumbledore rips a memory out of his mind, but don't put it in the bowl to, to view it. Throw it in the trash can. This is a damn good, tough football team. Tough as nails football team. Adrian Martinez has shot way back up to his potential. They're using his legs more. He's more efficient through the pass. This team is a physical hit you in the mouth and see how you respond. Now, they're not translating those to wins, but they took, you know, Michigan State to overtime. They had a knock knockdown drag out fight with Oklahoma. This is a good football team, and they're getting a Michigan team that we talked about last week. They played better. I'm a glutton for pain with Wisconsin, apparently. I love to pick them. They stink with a capital S. Absolutely stink, Wisconsin. Terrible football team. I have half a right to bet Illinois. Two bad football teams. That's a bad football game. Illinois, Wisconsin. Terrible. Terrible with terrible football game. Um, Wisconsin stinks. My take is looking better and better about Paul Chris and maybe needing to evaluate whether he stays on as head football coach and maybe you just go with Jim Leonard. It is. It absolutely is becoming a, a, a bigger possibility because while, yes, I don't think Wisconsin should get too far ahead of themselves and have national championships ambitions and all, all that kind of stuff, you know the product with Paul Chris. That's the argument. You know, you're going to have a good, sustainable product. This is a down year. It's a bad year. But last year was a bad year. This year's a bad year. You know, the offensive line is trending in the downward direction. The running back room is trending in the downward direction. You have your best quarterback recruit in the history of the program, and he stinks. Terrible, terrible quarterback, Graham Mertz, right now. 
Now, I don't, I honest to God can't figure out if it's Graham Mertz or the coaching. It's that bad of a situation right now. He could, you know, go to another program and maybe very, very good. I, there are times, you know, we saw it, you know, towards that end of the first half, push the ball down the field, make some really good throws. You see some of that potential. It kind of, it pops up here and there. And that's what makes it hard to evaluate him right now because I can't tell if it's just a terrible coaching, terrible scheme, and the fact that nobody seems to want to make a play. Like, none of his skill guys seem to want to make a play or be playmakers. Um, or if it's him. I, I don't know. But he stinks right now. And that, you know, there's just no... The, the offense stinks. Um, Michigan, though. Showed an ability to pass the ball. Um, they are a rush-heavy team. I think this is going to be a very close game. I liked it better at three when it was at three. I think Nebraska has a real shot to potentially win this game and shock it. This is a coaching game for all the marbles. This is a savior job if you are Scott Frost game because if you win this game, I think Scott Frost is now safe with you know the turnaround they've had since that Illinois game, which is incredible. That's just how much of a difference Nebraska has had. And for Hardball, he's got to win this game. You have great momentum right now. Your team is rolling in the right direction. You've got to keep that going and that momentum heading into the season. You cannot lose this game. You can't do it. If you do it, that seat's going to get a little warmer. Now, Hardball seems to have a, a seat for life at Michigan somehow. He's worked that way into it. I know the whole alumni thing there and you know his history there, but this is a, this is a potential problem spot here. Um, I like Nebraska in this game. The number is moving. I liked it more at three. I still like it at two and a half. I'm probably gonna wait to see if it gets back up to three. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a second. We'll see where it's at tomorrow. But we're picking this game. For the purposes of this podcast, though, for the purposes of the record, for the purposes of you know giving you the information you need, we're gonna take Nebraska plus two and a half. It's positive money right now. I like it. It's a good pick. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other game I kind of want to cover. You know, we, we unfortunately, you know, when you come here, you, you're you going to get better stats generally, um, get better in game. We're kind of throwing this together last minute. That's on me. The other game we should talk about, sorry, I apologize, Alabama, Texas A&M. Minus 17.5, Alabama's the favorite. Over under 15.5. Texas A&M's dead. This is a dead program right now. I mean, not dead, dead and you know, the sense of, like, Florida State, Miami, or whatever. But their season's done. The moment King broke his leg, season was done. This team is sad. And I said it, you know, a couple weeks ago. The seat's probably warming for Jimbo here a little bit. There are some really high expectations. And it's one thing to have your quarterback, starting quarterback, go down and maybe not perform as well on offense and have some offensive struggles. It's an entirely different thing to have what many considered a top-notch defensive unit and have the games they're having. This team is not playing good football anywhere. Actually, that's not true. Running the ball, still pretty damn good. Still pretty damn good at times. The offensive line, though, surprisingly, I watch them. It's pushing around a little too much. Um, but they are still good at running the football. I think Alabama hangs one on them here. I mean, like, puts a 50-burger unit on them. 
Now, do they get enough defense stops? Does the offense get something going? 17 and a half. I don't love the number. I don't know if I'm picking it just yet. But this is a very appealing game. This is a game that... It's... It's tough not to see the value here. Or it's tough to find the value here. I don't love the number. If you're picking the game, I'd go Alabama. It's probably not going to make my card. But, yeah, I, I'd say probably probably Alabama there. I think that, that, sounds, that sounds about right. Um, it's a tough number, though. It's a tough, tough number. I don't love the number 17 in this game. Don't know if we're going to put it on there. We'll see. Um, Old Miss, Arkansas. That was the one other game I wanted to talk about. I apologize. I'm, like, delirious at this point. It's, you know, 11.38. Haven't slept much this week. Been watching a lot of film, diving through some stuff. We kind of threw this together. Last minute, kind of got some text, like, hey, I can't record tomorrow. We're throwing it together. We're going to be back next week full force, but we wanted to make sure we got something out to you. You had some content this week in the college football space. The NFL show tomorrow is going to be great. Uh, that's going to be a good one. Looking forward to that. But Ole Miss, Arkansas. Minus 5.5, under over 66.5. This is a game, when I saw it on there, piqued my interest. For those of you that can remember back to last year, my brain's been mush because of COVID. Tough to remember back to years. But this was the game that changed everything for the direction that the Ole Miss offense has headed because of what Matt Corral, the stinker he had in this game. I think it was six interceptions. I got to pull that up. It was five or six interceptions in this game. Terrible. Terrible game. And he came out afterwards and was pissed at himself. He was pissed at his performance. He was upset with the way he played, the decisions he made, the effort he'd been putting in off the field. Everything changed from that moment. He got more serious about football. He decided to really commit himself, recommit himself to the game. It has made him a top-tier NFL prospect now. It has launched him into, you know, making probably a ton of money in the NFL because of it. Now, I don't know if he'll have a long, sustainable career, but it's turned him into one of the most efficient quarterbacks in college football. Yeah, six interceptions. Passer rating, QBR, 6.4 in that game last year. Terrible game. And I think there's a little, you know, a little fire in the belly after last week. You know, they came out, they talked a lot of trash. And they laid a stinker in that first half of that Alabama game. And I think this is a spot that probably Matt Corral has had circled on his calendar of, I need to get this one back. And now you have that game against Alabama, where they did not perform up to the expectations they had for themselves in that game. They're going to try to put one on here. Against a team that's banged up. Against a team who got show the business end by Georgia. By a team that has been really good in Arkansas, but is now hitting, you know, due to injuries in K.J. Jefferson and their top wide receiver. It's it's getting tougher. I like Ole Miss in this game. Minus five and a half. That, car, that pick is on my card. I like Ole Miss. I like Matt Corral to just light it up. 
Um, it's risky proposition though, because I uh, I am interested to see how the Ole Miss defense responds to the kind of physicality that Arkansas will try to establish through the run, run the ball to establish you know physicality. But man, I think Matt Corral. I just I think that at some point he's going to start going off, and Arkansas is going to have to play from behind, and they're not going to be able to play from behind in this game. This is a, a touchdown game at least. So five and a half, I like Ole Miss. Those are my picks so far. Card will come out tomorrow. Um, wanted to make sure we got something out to you guys. Hope you enjoyed this like quick time with Nate, essentially. Um, we'll be back at it full crew next week. Have a good show for you here. We're turning the ship. We're going to turn the ship. We got to get some work done in college football. We're going to get there. Uh, the Degenerate Report, make sure you're checking that out at badnewsmedia.com. Um, or if you follow our Twitter account, I, t- I tweet the link out every Saturday. Haven't had a season finish under 60%. It's basically my six best bets, three best college football, three best NFL bets. We're at 15-9 and nine so far in the season, so 63%. We're on target there. Had a great week. Um, have yet to have a losing week. We've had some draw weeks, you know, 50% weeks, but, you know, it's been good showing. Uh, make sure you're checking out the NFL podcast. We appreciate and love all your support. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for your continued support here. We're going to continue to bring you some great content. Hope you enjoyed this little mini episode. Uh, we'll be back at it. Make sure you check out the NFL podcast coming out Saturday. And let's go Trophy Nation.